This episode is sponsored by Privacy.com. It's like a burner phone for credit cards. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, go to Privacy.com slash GOG. That's $5 free to spend anywhere like Patreon.com slash GOG by signing up at Privacy.com slash GOG. Go get that money and give it back to us. We need it. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. I am uh, going to San Diego tomorrow to go check out the zoo. So we're Whales recording this vagina. a little bit. Oh, Whales vagina. Oh, God. That's SeaWorld. That's not the zoo. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we're recording this a little early, so we don't have all the news that is normally fit to print, but Brian, you've done a pretty good job. So let's get to some follow-up. No worries. I, yeah, I did step up a little bit. So, you know, it's so rare for you to leave your house. I wanted to give you as much time as possible to enjoy it. Oh, I thank, I thank you so much. <laughs> this is the last trip I have planned for the entire year. So sad. this will not be a problem. <laughs> it's not sad. I hate going outside. I hate interacting with people. I am fine in my little comfy castle here i'm okay with it i suppose if you stay in your castle things like this that i'm about to talk about uh, won't happen to you uh prayers our friend of the show david teeter isn't the only person who had a very unfortunate run-in with an e-scooter recently uh this man allison medeiros a 32 year old chicago-based tattoo artist was biking home after work in the wicker park neighborhood a couple weeks ago when he was struck head-on by an e-scooter rider who was navigating the scooter against the flow of traffic, according to the Washington Post. The accident knocked him unconscious, left him with multiple serious injuries, including broken bones and teeth and a dangerous amount of air in his chest cavity, according to a GoFundMe page to help him cover the cost of his medical bills because no insurance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> he was treated in the trauma unit overnight and required more than 20 stitches, and his jaw is wired shut. So this was a pretty oh. serious accident. Yeah. It's a bad one. Now, unfortunately, he was not able to ascertain which scooter hit him, uh, but the incident occurred just days after the launch of Chicago's e-scooter pilot program uh, launched. And How's that could, going for you, this Chicago? Could, this could explain why he had a problem identifying it. There are 10 different companies, Bird, Bolt, Grove, Jump, Lime, Lift, Sherpa, Spin, Via Ride, and Wheel, all of which deposited their scooters in this part of the city. Up to 2,500 scooters are permitted in zoned areas as part of a program. He has a lawyer, Bryant Greening, who told Gizmodo, that uh, he is very confident it was one of the electric scooters that are part of the city's program. I think that's a safe bet. And if any one of them knows that one of their riders was responsible for the incident, they are not sharing that information with the police. So Great. Brian Greening runs a legal firm called Legal Rideshare, a firm that deals exclusively in rideshare related personal injury cases. So we might want to pass that on to Dr. David. Yeah, Peter. we're going to pass that on to Dr. <laughs> Teeter. <laughs> Yes. So he said that the e-scooter companies, as well as the city, were sent letters informing them of the issue and requesting that they preserve any data related to the incident. In other words, no deleting. Following a lack of any meaningful response, he has filed a petition in court this week naming the city and the companies and asking them, a judge, order them to turn over data, which may, they, which may be related to the incident. In other words, identifying who was in the area at the time and who was renting the scooters. So... There's data on this and they're going after it and they should. Well, yeah, they should. They should definitely <laughs> be going after it. And yep. we'll see how that turns out. I talked to a friend of the show, Dr. Teeter, this morning, and the cops have not given him any information so far. Right. So we well, don't know what's happening. Yeah, I'm and, sure yeah. that there's a lot of uh, battles with these companies about getting the information that they have. They don't want to release it. That's bad for them. Yeah, it's very bad for them because then they might be liable for, mm -hmm. you know, what their riders are doing. So we'll see how this is all going to play out. But I hope everybody that has been injured in some way, shape, or the tother 
by one of these e-scooters, sues the ever-living shit out of these people, so then maybe we'll get them off the street. Yes, there's that. And we've also talked recently about the astonishing amount of homelessness in the L.A. area right now, and we've also talked about uh, the problems that uh, gentrification and extreme um, poverty and uh, extreme wealth in the same area has caused for both San Francisco and the uh, Silicon Beach area here where I live, Venice, Santa Monica, and all that. And I saw this story uh, on local news, and I, I just... I. I can't believe it. There's somebody called the Venice Van Lord. That's what, okay. That's the name he goes by. He advertises on Craigslist, and he's got a minivan with a mattress inside that he's renting in the area for four hundred and fifty dollars a month. You know, you can go buy a minivan for less than four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yes, but that would mean these, these are mostly homeless people that are or near homeless people. Well, obviously they're homeless. They're living in a fucking van. Uh, people that probably don't have the credit history to be able to go buy anything. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of this in this area now. It used to be the RVs that would just park and so they didn't have to pay rent or do anything, you know, pay, pay into the community that they're stealing things from. So this has come up as a inbuilt capitalist solution to the homeless problem in Venice Beach. There's a lot of these around, a lot of vans and people just sleeping in them parked on the street. And then they go down to the beach and they take their shower at the beach shower and go to the bathroom there and then go back to their vans. It's a uh, we got to fix this, people. <laughs> good luck brian good I know. luck i know no even over here at the coffee bean that my uh roommate used to go to i'll tell you why she used to go to when we get to apps and doodads but uh the the meth heads in the morning will flock inside the coffee bean and basically steal creamer and sugar because they can't afford a coffee to right. have their morning morning uh morning drink. juice <laughs> and exactly and then uh wash up in the bathroom and leave it a total mess and they're scared of them like the employees are scared of them so they're not doing anything about it they're not calling the police because they fear retribution well remember starbucks opened it up to everybody they, they the uh, ceo said any you are welcome to come here and do whatever you need to do without having to purchase anything okay well fuck starbucks in the news We've been talking a bit about uh, music a lot. Well, we talk about that a lot because that's part of the reason we started the show is the music and tech overcrops and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I have been listening to this podcast, The Secret History of the Future, which is a joint venture between Slate and The Economist. It's very well done and very, very in the wheelhouse of anybody that's listening to us right now. You should definitely check it out. Uh, but they had a really interesting episode recently called uh, it was the first episode of season two called A Familiar Tune. We've talked a lot about the music industry and how it's changed. And this was fascinating. Um, it gets in. It starts way back saying this is not the first time that the music industry has been completely ripped apart. This has happened before and it happened to John Philip Sousa. Back in the day, people made money by selling sheet music and people performed it at home and they toured extensively. And that was really the only way to consume music. Then all right. of a sudden the phonograph came along. And that screwed mm -hmm. everybody up because we didn't have copyright laws to cover it. And it took almost three decades to figure that out. And we're kind of going through that again. The cycle is just repeating because we're trying to figure out streaming and we're trying to figure out copyright and we're trying to figure that out all over again. So all of this has happened before. And it's absolutely fascinating to hear what happened back in the late 1800s about how this just happened before. Now, where it gets to in this in this episode, which is really interesting, is that AI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes to yes. be fair in the podcast they do say neural networks a lot more often than they say ai which is okay i'll, okay. I'll allow I'll, I'll, I'll allow that is getting to the <laughs> point get of pass <laughs> it's getting really really good now i used to mess around with uh ai 
algorithmic based music <laughs> even you're not immune yeah even i'm not immune you just get beat over the head with it i used to mess around a bit with algorithmic music back in you know even 10 years ago and it really wasn't quite there yet there was a i had a particular keyboard called the um the Korg chaos and it had a setting where it basically just did some algorithmic filters and would do passages and i knew i wanted a piano based little short blip in the middle of a song I was writing. I knew what tempo I wanted in. I knew what key I wanted in. You could put those variables in and hit a button and it would generate different things. And I used one of those in a song that was actually commercially released. It was okay. It only, you know, it was, it was a 15 to 20 minute, uh, 20 minute, 15 to 20 seconds. <laughs> what are you fucking Pink Floyd? And it, and, it, yeah. and it fit really well in with the song. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But I really never, ever used it again because it didn't, it wasn't there yet. They have systems now that you can just feed in anything that you want and it will come up with something brand new in the style of that or cross transferring stuff. So, you know, Chopin meets Nine Inch Nails and it will come up with something. And they're starting to wonder now who gets songwriting credits for these sorts of things. What's going to happen when these things get really good? Are is there because we've always talked about automation? Okay, well, there's still going to be human creativity. What if the AI can write better songs than humans can? And they're starting to think that this is not that far off. Really right. interesting. I, I totally believe that's going to be because I mean, there's only so many notes under the sun, and there's only so many ways to arrange those notes. So. That exactly was mentioned in this because the theory. One guy was going off on you know thinking about this about what's going to happen is there are still plenty. We are, the humans in and of themselves have not exhausted the musical system, but if you've got a computer and you feed everything in and you start copying, writing everything that comes out of your AI thing, you can very quickly have every possible combination of anything ever. The monkeys typing in a room sort of scenario where yeah. no matter what you write as a human, there will be somebody who potentially could have already copywritten that because his AI spit out absolutely everything. You know, it's funny. I used to do that thought experiment overnight at Kinko's when I was <laughs> had nothing to do and had been to the pub and I'm like, okay, so your monitor is 640 by 480. Let's just, let's go with the lowest range. So let's say we have an eight bit color scenes, color right. scheme, right? Mm-hmm. How long would it take for a computer to generate every possible image that ever. could be <laughs> ever drawn on that in, you know, and back then the, you know, computers were so slow, but nowadays your phone could probably generate every single image that could possibly ever be made on a 640 by 480 screen and, you know, in an 8-bit color palette in like, you know, a day or so. Right. And you send those off to the Library of Congress on a CD and say, here's every image that I've ever made and <laughs> I'd like to copyright them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, there, there are finite possible. Everybody says it's infinite, but it, you it know, is not. It is not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's an interesting, interesting one. I might, I might have to go give this one a listen because I've been fascinated by that for a while. I, I really do think that you know, the, the algorithms for things like that are going to definitely take over because there's only so many things that really can be done. Yep, yep, that's very true. And the and these systems are getting really good. I'm actually going to download one of them and play around with them over the next couple of weeks. So I will uh, get back to you in a future apps and doodad segment and tell you how screwed musicians are. Well, I tell you what, if you can come up with some new stuff, we could definitely use some new bumpers for the show. So if they can all be hey. algorithmically generated, then we don't have to pay anybody. Awesome. Oh, wait, we I don't pay do anybody. Yeah, because yeah. that was me anyways, and I didn't get paid exactly. for them. <laughs> yeah, that's your I'm music. I'm going to talk to my copyright paid. lawyer about this. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't have one. Oh, I guess my wife. Oh. Mm. Uh, I was going to say a letter from my wife, one. Jason. <laughs> 
All right. So speaking of automation, Amazon has announced a plan to retrain one third of its U.S. employees as automation looms. So they're doing they're going to be automation looms. That's what they're going to be. They're going to be like they're going to they're going to cogs plug in, the, in the wheel, Jason. Yeah, they're just a loom. We've always <laughs> said AIs are humans. And you know, anyways, <laughs> so, yeah, they have announced that they're planning on retraining one third of its workforce. They're going to put in seven hundred million dollars, which is to provide upskill training designed to move people into positions vulnerable to automation into new jobs across the company. As many as one robot 000. mechanic. Uh, no, it. not well. Yeah, I mean, fulfillment <laughs> they're gonna be center. They're going to move fulfillment center workers to IT roles. They're basically going to train them to take over the machines that are taking over their job. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Robot mechanics. So we'll that's... see how long that lasts until the robots <laughs> replace the robot mechanics with robot mechanics with robot, and then it just spirals just down. Robot mechanics all the way down. Yeah. So uh, there are also AWS training and certification, so they can use the cloud, so they can tell people to turn on the damn security feature. <laughs> Yeah, this is That's, how you turn on this, bucket security. This is how you turn the Why isn't that default? Okay, anyways. Never All right, mind, so yeah. moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've talked a bit about Slack recently because Slack went public, and uh, Vox has an interesting article about how Microsoft might crush Slack like Facebook crushed Snapchat. Um, yeah, no, nope, not going to happen. Never. Well, hold uh-uh. on a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. just wait. Go ahead. Tell Slack me, tell is me losing ground already to its biggest rival, Microsoft Teams, which has copied its way into popularity. In other words, Slack has the same problem as Snapchat, which has suffered from its bigger rival, Facebook's relentless appropriation. Slack's market share is going down. It's basically flat right now. Adoption rates are declining, and a bigger portion of these companies indicate they plan on leaving the service, according to a new survey by market research firm ETR, which asked Chief I, chief IO officers and other leaders at the world's biggest organizations where they plan to spend their company's tech budget. Now, why yes. Teams is seeing increased market share, relatively high adoption rates, and lower rates of defection because it's free as part of Microsoft Office, with most, which most businesses have. Right. It did, not because it's better. No. Because, it's, because it comes with Office. Yeah. Beta was better than VHS. <laughs> yes, exactly. Better rarely exactly. wins, Jason. Free always wins. Free always wins. Yes. So that until, might be until, a real problem. And and the, actually, the article's yeah. main point in this is is basically kind of what we've been talking about, which is you cannot win against the big companies. You cannot beat them. You cannot beat a Microsoft. You cannot beat a Google. You cannot beat an Apple. They're uh, they're so you cannot beat a Facebook. They're so big that if you get close, they can they the choices are they buy you or they crush you. That's what happens. Yeah. And Microsoft actually looked at buying Slack at one point, but then said to hell with it. We'll just do our own, which will suck. Yeah, it'll cost less <laughs> money. It'll still be ugly as sin. Mm. I've used I've used Microsoft Teams. Have you tried it yet? I have not, but uh, oh, don't. I'm going don't. to have to in the near future because I it's might like Microsoft be Word 3.0. Mm-hmm. That's a that's how I can like if if you're using you know Google Docs today and you have to use Microsoft Word 3.0. The difference between Microsoft Teams and Slack is Microsoft 3.0 to Google Docs. <laughs> right. That's really it. I mean, but they Slack will get is, better and mm-hmm. they will continue to steal everything that Slack implements. And, and please it, steal Slack's designers, Microsoft. <laughs> your design has yeah. still sucks. Why can't you yes. hire a designer with all the money you have? I hear oh. there's a free designer who's no longer working at Apple. That's just true. saying, Microsoft. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i mean go get daniel burka he's a he's my friend from 
Flickr and Slack and all that shit. He's the guy that designed all that shit. Go hire Daniel Burka. Oh, wait, he's richer than Croesus right now, so he doesn't have to do anything because <laughs> Slack IPO'd and nobody cares if Slack is going to go down the crapper. Exactly. And uh, speaking of Slack, uh, I was I found this really interesting article over at The Atlantic and I read through it and I was primed to be angry about this. OK, I was like, it's called the Slackification of the American Home. And it's about how basically homes are starting to run themselves more like businesses because we're all so damn busy and there's so much going on and we can't keep track of everything anymore, which, you know, obviously that would be upsetting to a certain degree. Um, and I was I, I wanted to be angry about the fact that this is happening. And then I actually read the article and it makes so much sense. Do tell. OK, I'll, here's an example. Tanya Parker, a mom in Illinois, wants to better organize her family life. A little, and a little over a year ago, the first thing she did was set her kids up on Trello, which is a web based project management oh, tool. God. <laughs> Parker's four children, aged nine to 18, now use it to keep up with chores, to do lists, shopping and homework. She uses it every day to keep track of what schoolwork I need to do or places I need to be or things I want to buy, says Hannah, her 15 year old daughter. And the mom says college was my first experience of having to keep track of my own stuff. And I wanted my kids to have that sooner. So incorporating Trello along with Gmail into their family life has been a godsend, according to the mom. It's streamlined family communication, helped keep everyone organized and added a layer of accountability to tasks. This kind of makes sense to me. Oh, God, it makes sense, but it makes my skin crawl. It it really does. does. I know, I get but it. it's I no get it's it. no different than what we did as kids, where there was a board on the wall with stars. It's just digital now, and everybody's got right. phones, anyways. My wife and I run our household like a business. We do a lot of this stuff already, and I can see just wrapping Lucas up into it as he gets old enough. He's you know, I'm not right away. We're gonna start with the board and the stars. But when he's old enough to be savvy and he's got the phone anyways, this makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, God. You I'm know, not I, as I, bothered by it as I, as I thought I would be. <laughs> I'm so happy that I live with a fucking Luddite because you know what our <laughs> shopping list is? We have we do have a shared shopping list in the house. Mm -hmm. It is a little whiteboard that we keep in the kitchen. And whenever we need something, we write it down. And you know what? Just they have the little whiteboard. screens on refrigerators now that are digital and you can just put it in there. Fuck and It'll be your, on your phone. Fuck your screeny <laughs> refrigerator. Every time we go to the store, somebody just takes a picture of it on their phone. That's where it, that's where it becomes digital. You go to the store and you buy everything that's on the list from your phone. Can't that's cross the it out sharing. off a picture. I love crossing uh, yes, things out. Well, you cross it out when you get home. When you pick it up, you cross you, you erase it from the dry erase board. It's great. It's fantastic. And very rarely have we had a conflict where somebody goes to the store and buys two pou pouches of Mexican cheese that we need for our eggs in the morning. I would but not then, call that a problem. That's extra cheese. Exactly. Mm. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, OK, well, oh, sad Christmas. We have twice the groceries that we were going to get before. And now we don't have to go get it for twice as long. But <laughs> no, I get this. But I'm just I just want people to stay away from the damn screens more instead of getting better at Trello. Have you used Trello? Trello no. just makes you. Yeah, I hate. I've used I Asana. I've used Slack. That's about it so far. Okay, I mean Trello is one of those other ones. What's what's the other one I use? Jira is another one. My, well, no, Jira is uh, basically uh, uh, task tracking and things like that. These are um, I forget the terminology for what Trello is. I just don't like the methodology behind it. It just drives me crazy. I granted, if you have to, and everybody's bought in on it, it's a it busy world, work. man. Families are busy these days. It's it's not Doing like when we what? were. It's not like when we were kids, Jason. You don't get on your bike and ride down the street and play with your neighborhood friends anymore. Everything is scheduled for these kids. There's play dates. There's 
activities. I get why parents do this now. I totally get it. My kid's not uh, even old enough for this yet. I just see it coming. Okay, so parents are the problem here. That's what I see. Kill all the parents. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Flies. I'm sure that'll Lord work of the real flies. well. <laughs> yes, Lord of the Flies. Yes, LordoftheFlies.com. <laughs> All right. Another news, a a former Tesla employee is being sued for downloading data related to the company's autopilot feature and taking that data to a Chinese rival company. In the court filing, ex-employee Zhangzhui Kao admits that he accessed Tesla's source code and uploaded the files to a personal drive, the iCloud, but denies that his actions constitute theft of trade secrets. Uh, I wonder how how does that (laughs) how do do you justify that to yourself? (laughs) Tesla understandably disagrees. Go figure. (laughs) So, yeah, he's going to get sued. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, don't leave traces. Don't be so stupid. If you're going to break that. Well, you know, criminals are dumb. There you go. Didn't Tesla just lose like 15 percent of their autopilot workforce? Yeah. Yeah, so, so. yeah, because they all went to China because this guy <laughs> took all the secrets. Yeah. Oh, hey, where'd that God. bit of code go? Oh, it's in China now. Okay, let's yeah. go there. Let's go there. They pay better. <laughs> and finally, in good news for as far as I'm concerned, except we'll see how it plays out. T-Mobile says that getting sued for selling users location data violates its own terms of service. Oh, is this the arbitration bullshit? Yes. Oh. And uh, we're seeing a lot of pushback against arbitration now. And I pray that the judges yes. on this on this case say, screw you, T-Mobile. You don't get to do this to people. So, uh, yeah, so two people have sued over the T-Mobile geolocation data thing that happened earlier this year uh, where they sold all the information to a third party without consent. Uh, so they're trying to get a class action lawsuit going, and T-Mobile has filed a motion saying you can't do that because you agreed to arbitration, which is buried deep in their terms of service. Now, they do offer people the ability to opt out of arbitration, Because even deeper in those terms of service is something that states they must either complete the opt-out form on the website or call a toll-free number and provide the information requested within the first 30 days of their activated service. After that, tough shit. Arbitration it is. So let's see what happens. But I need to see somebody stepping up against this. We need T-Mobile to get spanked and say, too bad, no arbitration. You did bad things. They get to sue you. I thought of a new service just now. Hmm. We read all of the TOSs. And then we find things like this where you can like opt out of the arbitration clause. So say I signed up for T-Mobile today. Mm-hmm. Then I go to go to our new website, which is mm-hmm. fuckarbitration.com. <laughs> and, and and we give them the information to how on how to opt out of certain things or opt into certain things like, you know, opt into more privacy, opt out of arbitration, opt Shouldn't out. Shouldn't like, the EFF be doing that right now? Well, they, you'd think they get paid to do things like that, but uh, well, maybe, well, regardless, I, mean, maybe I have two domains to go register: lordoftheflies.com and fuckarbitration.com. <laughs> I'll be back later. Hover.com/slash/gog. Yes, for ten percent off your first order. <laughs> this episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is sponsored by Privacy.com. Privacy is the first payments product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a regular credit card online. Privacy lets you generate a brand new Visa card number for every purchase you make online with one click with their browser extension or mobile app. Look, we all buy stuff online more and more, and Privacy gives you a temp credit card number for every site you buy from. Never forget to cancel subscriptions or trials ever again. And that alone is worth the price of admission. But the price of admission is actually free. They make their money the same way debit cards do with the interchange fees paid by merchants. 
You know how skeptical we are of free services here on GOG, and these guys actually have a business model to back it up, which gives them the Grumpy Old Geek seal of approval. Jason actually reviewed this product when they first launched, and we're not just pimping this product because they paid us. We're both actual customers, and we love what they're doing. Look, if you use a password manager, and we know you do because you listen to the show, you should definitely be using privacy. You don't use the same password everywhere. Why on earth would you use the same credit card number? Sign up takes less than two minutes, and like we said, it's completely free. So far, they've saved their customers over $115 million in unwanted and unauthorized charges, and I swear to God, probably a million of that is mine. <laughs> Blocking Amazon purchases late at night. Exactly. You can freeze cards and set spending limits. We ordered five more coffee machines. Cards lock to merchants, <laughs> making them useless to thieves and hackers. Protect yourself from online fraud with virtual credit card numbers, and you can delete cards anytime and kiss forgotten subscriptions goodbye. To sign up for free and get a $5 credit, just go to privacy.com slash GOG. That's seriously, literally $5 free to spend anywhere by just signing up. Privacy.com slash GOG. It's a no-brainer. Get on it. Privacy.com slash GOG. Security? Ha! We're back this week with Dave Bittner from the CyberWire podcast. The CyberWire is a free community-driven cybersecurity news service based in Maryland. Dave is also co-host of the Hacking Humans podcast, along with Joe Kerrigan, where they take on social engineering. We are Jasonless today, Aww. as he's down in San Diego oh. for a friend of the show, Bob's 50th birthday. So well, we, let, we let Jason take a day off. Yeah, well, good for him. I think he's earned it. <laughs> Me too. And it's hard we to love- beat San Diego, right? I mean... And weather-wise, anyway, I'm thinking it's oh a yes, lovely... yes. Weather-wise, it's a it's a, it's a lovely town. Yeah, but nothing compared to Maryland. Well, that well, what is really? <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so I wanted to share a quick story about my morning before we started, um, because we have people writing us, but and you uh, specifically all the time about oh, what what should I do with my life? Mm-hmm. I want to get into the cyber. I want to. I want to. Should I should I get into IT? Should I get into cybersecurity? How do I get started? And um, I just. Uh, I think you and I and, and Jason as well, um, because of our, our abilities, have been, you know, the IT and cybersecurity for our families, right. uh, both immediate and extended for all of our lives. Um, you know, certainly since I started dating my wife through through marriage and through having a kid, um, anything with a chip in it is my responsibility. <laughs> I, I fixed her computer hundreds of times, phones, tablets, TVs, everything. You know, I, I keep a good running <laughs> household technologically wise. And you know what that gets you with women? Nothing. <laughs> you know what I had to do this morning? Go on. I had to replace a kitchen sink. And while I was at that, I also did the faucet and replaced the garbage disposals mm-hmm. because uh, we're homeowners now. We have to do these sorts yes, of things. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know what that gets you with the women? Uh, more than the other thing? You are a sex machine. <laughs> So what I would tell everybody who's writing us to do is go into plumbing. Right. (laughs) Forget this tech stuff. (laughs) You know, that's interesting because not too long ago, I was thinking about this myself. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, the friends I have who are uh, plumbers, who are firemen, who are (laughs) HVAC guys, they're the guys who have the beach houses. Yes. Like, I don't have a beach house. I would love to have a beach house. I have a lovely home. (laughs) I can't complain about my circumstances. I have a good job and I enjoy doing it. But, like, you know, don't write off these these jobs that require, uh, you know, the use of your hands. Yes. They're never going to, they're always busy. Um, they also have 
pretty set hours. They they go home and crack some beers. Um, they're not still checking their emails like we are. Right. They, they've got it kind of made. I agree. I'm just saying. I agree. That's interesting. Plus, the ladies love it. <laughs> they do not care about the fact that you've kept your house virus free. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, I feel fortunate that uh, that was something my father instilled in me. Was he, he made sure that I was at his side when he did things like replace light switches and, uh, you know, trap bait, yes. traps and sinks and things like that. So I'm pretty fearless when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, I am as well, and and YouTube is a godsend. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! Yes, you know what? I recently yes. uh, fixed my dishwasher. Thank all completely thanks to YouTube. Totally, yes, th- it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, it's great. What a, what a time to be alive! What a time to be alive! <laughs> well, moving to the other side of this great time to be alive, I wanted to share a story about um, some potential creepiness that I ran into last week with the weight loss tracking app that I'm using. Now, Mm -hmm. um, I have been quite successful over the past two and a half months. I'm happy to say that I've lost 20 pounds. Using, That's impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was mm-hmm. just I just felt like it was time. Um, I'd, I'd put on a lot of weight, and uh, uh, I just I was starting to feel it, and I decided, right. all right, time to get this under control. So I'd used this app before. It's called Lose It. And mm-hmm. um, it's one of those apps that you can connect to a scale, and and I bought a digital scale, which helps a lot, also. Um, and it tracks all your food, and you can scan all the the barcodes from things you eat, and so on and so forth. So that's all great, and I've been really good about tracking everything. And um, however, uh, late last week, I was going through Twitter, and as I was scrolling through Twitter, I noticed that. Ads came up for two different foods that I had just recently logged in my weight loss tracking app. Now, are you sure you didn't just say that out loud in front of your phone? <laughs> it could be, right? It could, it could be. One of them was uh, one of them was Eggos, you know, the the toaster, mm-hmm. toaster waffles. And, let go my let go my Eggos. Yeah, they yes. are a big hit mm-hmm. in my house. My twelve year old and really likes them, and I like them too. So uh, I had had a couple of Eggos for breakfast. So it is quite possible that I could have been sitting there and said, "Gosh, this is a damn good Eggo," <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think so. So. Like the first one that scrolled by, I thought to myself, oh, that's an interesting coincidence. The second one that scrolled by, I went, wait a minute. That's <laughs> something that I just logged in my weight loss app earlier. So this sent me down the rabbit hole of trying to uh, of stab- looking at the uh, the privacy agreement for this app. Right. Sure enough. Three days later. Yeah. Sure enough. Yeah. Right. Sure enough. There is one. And uh, yeah, it's all the standard stuff we talk about. We promise to anonymize your data and we will not. However, we we will share, you know, some information (laughs) for the use of better serving you and our clients and our advertisers and blah, blah, blah. blah. Right. Now, this is an app I pay for. It's like 30 bucks a year. Totally worth Mm -hmm. it. I'm I'm happy with the app, or at least I was. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) So... I'm digging through this privacy thing and it says this is how you if you're on iOS, which I am, this is how you can be sure that this app is not sharing any of this information. And I'm thinking, great, this is this is what I want to see from an app. Give me the ability to unplug and not share the information, especially if you're paying for it. Exactly. Exactly. So I go in and I'm following the directions and I'm walking through the settings on my iPhone and turns out I already have it disabled. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, crap, (laughs) because now what? (laughs) 
right? Yes. Now what? Uh, yeah, because this is almost impossible to to tease back right. the layers and, and find out what's going on. Right. Could it be a coincidence? Could be, as we know, as we've talked about <laughs> over and over again, could totally be a coincidence. But my spidey sense is tingling and telling me, it's screaming at me, saying it's not a coincidence. Now, it hasn't happened again, so... I'm, but I, boy, am I on the alert. Yeah. Well, you got to be super careful now. You can't like Google anything on your laptop right. related to food. Right. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to basically have a complete shutdown on food related internet activities, Ugh. except for your app. So, I'm telling you, Brian, science is exhausting. It really is. <laughs> uh, what else we got going on this week that you've been tracking? Well, Jason has given us a couple of links. He's, he has said the the internet cops have finally showed up for work. Yes, they this did. This is exciting. Mm-hmm. So GDPR is finally starting to have a bit of an effect. Uh, British Airways is facing a record fine. The British authorities said on Monday that they intended to order British Airways to pay a fine of nearly $230 million for a data breach last year, the largest penalty against a company for privacy lapses under the new GDPR. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple $230 million fines, and you're starting to talk real money. Yeah, I saw yeah. somebody uh, did the math on this, and uh, $230 million equals two airliners. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, you know, that's that's not nothing to them. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And then Which Marriott got hit also. Mm-hmm. Um, they got hit with, uh, what, I think $123 million for their 2018 data breach. And that yeah. gathered additional uh, attention because Marriott is an American company. Yes. So British Airways, the people were thinking, okay, they're within the EU, but this is showing that the long arm of the GDPR law extends out to the U.S. as well. well this is good. I, I see this is a very good thing. So it is. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and the people I've talked to this week, um, been, they've been saying that this is causing conversations around boardrooms, sort of a <laughs> recalibration. That In a way, this is a good thing because now there's more certainty that, yes, these fines are going to happen. They're going to be big the uh, the EU isn't just going to look the other way when it comes to these things. So organizations are like, okay, great, now we can plan. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully that plan... Now we can create two forks, one that does not apply in the U.S. and one... <laughs> right. <laughs> that is right. exactly what's going to happen, unfortunately. Right, so. yeah, yeah. Now so. there's another story that I haven't really been following, but I see that we've been tagged on it, you've been tagged on it, uh, so I'm going to... S- kind of toss this one over to you and see what you know what is going on with zoom okay so uh you are familiar with the zoom video conferencing platform it is a video conferencing system i believe yes that i had to use once many many years ago but i what i understand is that has made me vulnerable because i used it once many many years ago that is correct uh or at least it it did (laughs) until a couple of days ago so uh zoom is a it's a good platform i've used it myself many times and what uh zoom said out to differentiate themselves with is that it is very easy to use. Uh, There aren't a lot of buttons to push. There's not a lot of messing with where's my microphone, where's my camera. It pretty much works. parent friendly. It works right out of the box. And so it's gained a lot of popularity because of that. Well, turns out (laughs) uh, one of the reasons that Zoom was so easy to use is that on a Mac, if you installed Zoom on your system, it installed its own little web server. Oh, right. Well, that's not good. Well, it gets even better because <laughs> if you uninstalled Zoom, it left behind the little web server running. 
So oh, that, I'm sure that was just a lapse of code. Well, the, <laughs> uh, Zoom says this is a feature, not a bug, because what that means is if someone else reaches out to you and wants you to join their Zoom conference, this makes it so that the app can automatically be installed and configured without you having to lift a finger. Right. Mm-hmm. Except now, for the fact that when I choose to uninstall a program, I expect it to uninstall. That's right. No means yes. no. <laughs> so uh, now th- what brought this to people's attention is that there was a re- researcher who discovered that there is a way to remotely enable to, to use this functionality to remotely enable someone's video camera on a Mac without them knowing about it. And uh-huh. this person did responsible disclosure to Zoom and Zoom basically stood by their statement that this was a, a feature, not a bug. And so the researcher gave them the amount of time, I think it was 90 days, a reasonable amount for responsible disclosure, and then made it public. And mm-hmm. within a day or two, uh, Apple uh, used the nuclear option, which nice. is <laughs> Apple said <laughs> Apple pushed out its own update to basically disable this web server on Macs. Right. And so for <laughs> Apple to do that, that's that's a big deal. Um, and I, I was funny, I was talking with Joe Kerrigan about this. We were we did a segment with this for the Cyberwire, and uh there's a there's a a, a a statement from one of Zoom's spokespeople and um she says, We're happy to have worked with Apple on testing this update. And I'm just <laughs> I'm just imagining the conversation of, of, of Apple saying, okay, so here's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. We, we are going to do this and there's nothing you can do to stop That's us. right. If you want to be on the platform, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go down. Are we good here? I said, are we good here? Um, so uh, now what's interesting to me is how much is this going to really hurt Zoom or not? I, I don't know. I don't have. I don't know either. I I have a feeling that the market that they're going after are people who don't really understand the ins and outs, anyways, and probably mm-hmm. have no idea what's going on and will not care. Um, I suspect obviously there's you're right. a lot of irate people on Twitter, but they're probably people that weren't really using Zoom much, anyways, unless like me, they were forced to because a client wanted them to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this may make it a little less uh, easy to use, but yeah, it's still. It's a good service. The quality's good. The the reliability's good. The times I've used it, I haven't had any trouble with it. So I suspect right. that will win the day, um, and this will just kind of you know go by the wayside. But right, interesting mm-hmm. that it that it made it this far. It's interesting that it took the public disclosure for Apple to take notice and do something about it as well. I think that's... Well, there's there's two things there to unpack just quickly. Uh, one seems to be that public shaming is the only way to get anybody to do anything these days. Mm. Um, and that is what was brought to bear on Zoom. And then they chose inexplicably not to do anything about it. They stood their ground. Uh, the second thing is Apple really does seem to be taking this privacy thing seriously um, to the point where they would, you know, basically risk relationships with app with software developers to say we're not going to let you get away with this we're, mm-hmm. we're going to shut this down ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. and that, that's a um that, and and that apple makes the judgment that their users are going to be okay with them pushing out an update like this yeah. that is not optional that this is <laughs> you know this is uh important enough that they've earned the trust of their users that that's the yeah. right thing to do it's interesting yeah. as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I ran across an interesting article over at Slate about license plate readers. I think we've talked about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the, the different uh, things out there <laughs> that exist to like obfuscate your license plates if you're worried about this sort of stuff. Uh, I didn't realize how how much these things are around now. It isn't just law enforcement anymore. Uh, automatic license plate readers have been around for a long time, but there are now startups like OpenALPR and Flock Safety that exists that uh, read the license plates, but they do more than just read license plates. They can detect dents on cars. They can search for specific bumper stickers and for lift tags or Uber tags. And uh, they used to be quite expensive. Um, but now these, this is just a software thing. It's not a full system. You can, you can put these, you can run the software on hundred dollar cheapy China cameras like Jason has right. these days. Right. And uh, so the, the cost of a uh, cost of admission is next to nothing these days. And it's open to everyone. There are people that uh, small town police departments can suddenly afford to conduct surveillance at a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Neighborhood homeowner associations are buying these things. Property managers are buying these things for for their properties. And and this is some serious tracking that's going on. They know where you're going, where when you're going, when you're coming back, who's who could be with you, what happened to your car while you were out. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little frightening what's going on, and there seems to be no regulation about this at the moment. Yeah, as it, per usual. Yeah, and I, I try to keep separate, or or I guess it's an important distinction that these databases aren't automatically tied into any sort of police database. So it's not like. No, you can have completely private ones. You can, if you right. set this up and you're, you have, you own an apartment complex, you can have your own little database of every single car going in and out and what's going on. Right. But, the, but the, the, the second part of that is that for many, many things, that's enough. I don't yeah. have to know who you are, uh, just for your comings and goings to be interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, they even talked about just a couple of neighbors chipping in and, and buying this together. That, that yes, sort of and thing. then the one holdout. <laughs> there right, was one neighbor right. in the, that said no, but it doesn't matter because the entire neighborhood is blanketed now, right? So yeah. even if you're the holdout, you're screwed too. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird world we're setting up for ourselves. And you that's, can't that's... <laughs> you can't cover your license plate. I wonder if there's going to be a market for some sort of little electronic gadget that hides your license plate you know yeah you, like 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 a little led blaster that screws the camera up or something or just like just yeah i'm thinking of frame. like little tiny vertical blinds you know that that, <laughs> that cover the license plate so when you're on your way in and out of your neighborhood uh you can cover your license plate and then you get out on the open road where you're it's legally required you know and then you can open it up again or something like that even just remember the thing that kit had where it could <laughs> yes he'd flip the plate you know one of those that'd be good I want one of those. Yep. And I, I got to bounce around a little bit in my notes here because the second story that related directly to this is is down a little bit. And this is from Technology Review, which goes to the next step on this about how satellite imagery is getting so good that satellites will soon be able to watch and track us everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who's going to be in charge of that? Because there can be private satellites out there. As, is there any re- reasonable expectation of privacy anymore? What are we going to do about all this? Yeah. I mean, license plates are enough. We have already got GPS trackers on us all the time, social media posts, everything. And if you start to tie all this together, you will never have a private moment in your life ever again. And once these satellites get this good, game over. Well, and, you know, Baltimore near us was one of the cities that was part of a test program for something similar to this. That mm-hmm. was basically they put a Cessna up in the air. 
with a little array of cameras that were looking down at the city and right. taking shots. And so basically you ended up with a sort of an eye in the sky that could be uh, DVR'd. You know, you could rewind it, timestamp it. So if you wanted to know, did a vehicle leave this building at this time and where did it go? You could do yeah. that. And, and that seems mm -hmm. to me that's exactly what we're talking about here, except with satellites. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's really no protecting yourself from the satellite. I, what are you going to you can't stop it from seeing you. It's just not possible. So, no. Yeah. We've really got to start thinking about what kind of privacy we want and what ethically we want to do with these things. And it doesn't it, like most things. We seem to be running forward with the technology without stopping to think about the consequences. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, yeah. It, it, well, the law is always lagging behind mm -hmm. these things. It, it just seems to be the natural or, or yeah. I don't know, natural is probably not the, not the right word for it. But it's the way of things that, in our society anyway, that uh, the legal stuff is always playing catch up. And I guess the, one of the real issues with that is how much the acceleration of change, the pace of change has accelerated. And so it's harder for legal to, <clears throat> to, to keep up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked a little bit in the past about the problems that Amazon had with their Alexa, about uh, the recordings that uh, were being made and people were listening to things. And we kind of found out for the first time that, oh, yeah, people really are listening. It isn't just being uh, done by AI. Of right. course, AI is people, as we all know. And then they had the, the little internal message boards where they were sharing comments about some of the things that they recorded. Well, Google decided to just go, hey, Amazon, hold my beer. <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> exactly. So, so according to Belgian broadcaster Vert News, devices with the Google Digital Assistant are recording conversations and sounds inside the homes of their owners and sending those messages to humans for review. Nothing terribly shocking there. Mm -mm. More troubling is that many of these recordings do not appear to have been triggered with any sort of activation phrase, and over 1,000 recordings were actually fully leaked this mm. time. Not just commented about in a private forum for employees, leaked. Hmm. Whoopsies. Yeah. Isn't <clears> that inevitable? That's kind of what we were saying. Uh, you know, I, I st Jason has decided to get rid of his. He no longer has ladies in the tube in his house. Really? Oh, well, I... more because of his roommate. His roommate's a little more paranoid than, uh, hard to believe than he is. But <laughs> it's actually true. Okay. <laughs> All right. Huh. So he's gotten rid of them. I've always assumed that... Uh, this thing is connected. It, it, it doesn't stay internal. It's going somewhere. It's going to be recorded. People are going to hear it. I am hoping that Amazon is much better with their wake words. Um, mm -hmm. We have not heard anything about Amazon's recordings not involved. I mean, obviously, there's the occasional mistake and things of that nature. But right. uh, overall, it seems to be working well. And, I, and I've said on the show a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times again, don't say stupid shit to it. Right. <laughs> don't and until we know that there's security protocols in place, uh, don't don't use any health apps. Don't do don't don't divulge personal information. Don't do private stuff. Use it to ask for the weather and play music and you're fine. Mm -hmm. in theory. Well, you know, it's, so I, I just bought my parents or, or help my parents buy a new TV and mm -hmm. for the first time in They're my all life. Smart now. I, well, that's exactly right. For the first time in my life, I'm faced with a TV that includes a microphone. And, yes. <laughs> and it's the TV is connected to their Wi-Fi, and I had to figure out. Fortunately, thank goodness, the I was able to hide all of the apps that that want to you know display when you power the thing up because ain't no way my folks were would be able to handle that. Uh, <laughs> so I was able to get rid of that, but I don't know what that mic is doing. 
behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, uh, you know, when when we bought our place a couple of years back, we we you know had a little bit of extra money somehow and bought a new TV as well, and we got like a big ass Samsung, and it was smart. And uh, the first thing I did was figure out how to shut off everything mm-hmm. because I didn't want the microphone. I'm not going to talk to my. Uh, I don't want any of that stuff, especially when the reports came out that Samsung was doing some kind of iffy stuff with that information. So. Yeah, it's a, again, this goes back to, a, you know, we get no respect for taking care of all this stuff for our family, do we? No, we do not. <laughs> we got to do some plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're quick to call us when, uh, when it goes wrong, though. When, mm, when they yes, can't they send are. an email, that, <laughs> that, that phone rings quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason threw this one in for you, Dave, because he knew how much he loved Apple's last billboard. <laughs> Apple has aimed a new privacy billboard at Google's controversial smart city, which is in a Toronto area. I'm going to Toronto in a couple of weeks, so I am going to stroll over to this area and see what's going on. But uh, <laughs> Take a selfie in front of it. <laughs> yes. So, yes, Apple's strenuous privacy campaign may be hypocritical, some may say. I, I think our argument is Apple is doing this better than almost anybody else out there, so let's let them continue to roll the privacy banner because mm-hmm. uh, they're the only ones doing it. So in 2019, it was a billboard that they erected over Las Vegas during CES, which said what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. And uh, now they've decided to uh, target uh, Google specifically at the Quayside Smart City that they are developing. And they put up uh, another big billboard saying, we're in the business of staying out of yours. Mm-hmm. I like Very it. Very nice. I like it. Me too. <laughs> well, but isn't it interesting just from a marketing marketing point of view that we're at the point now where companies like Apple are using privacy as a market differentiator. Yeah. Yes. I think it's a good thing. I, you know, I think a lot more people are are wise to the privacy issues going on now uh, than ever were before. Certainly in the six years that Jason and I have been doing the show when we were, felt like we were just screaming from the rooftops and mm-hmm. nobody was listening. <laughs> Unfortunately, the takeaway that most people seem to get is Facebook is listening to you on your phone. Right. But right. You know, at least they're kind of paying attention yeah (laughs) (laughs) and jason also found this one let's let's end on a kind of more amusing note the world's first bluetooth hair straighteners that can be easily hacked Mm -hmm. first off why would you need a hair straightener to have bluetooth that's beyond me because you can you can because you can i don't know about you but i've never owned a hair straightener so I have not, but I actually, when I was reading through this, uh, and I realized how often my wife forgets to unplug hers, that maybe there would be a good use for this ah. Bluetooth app, and because she could re- go, oops, I forgot to turn it off, and turn it off, except she would have to be in range, which so is the only problem. Maybe can she'd you, be on Wi-Fi. Can you set a hair straightener and a curling iron next to each other and let them battle to the death? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So these guys just didn't do a very good job of building their thing. Uh, they basically left Bluetooth wide open so people could get in there and hack. And these are quite dangerous devices because you can fluctuate temperature quite extremely and uh, basically make it so it doesn't ever shut off and, you know, potentially start a fire. Right. So some, yeah, yeah I could imagine somebody thinking that it's off and it's cool. And so they tuck it away somewhere, leave mm-hmm. it plugged in, but tuck it under the the uh, the sink or in a drawer as my wife does almost every morning yeah yeah (laughs) and then if someone can remotely fire that puppy up now you got a fire on your hands yep interesting yeah so you know these be better people well and and could yeah so could they be fined (laughs) for this i don't know one i don't 
can they be fined for just building it the way it was? Probably not. Probably if not. there had been an incident of something happening, then then I think they could be sued. Yeah. I don't think they could be fined for right. this, unfortunately. If, if you for, could again, prove... this is legislation being too far behind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We almost need we need legislation to say if you're building Internet of Things devices, they need to have some security built into them. Yeah. Wow, this is a, we this do not is have a, that. quite a statistic. It's estimated that, that as many as 650,000 house fires in the UK are caused by hair straighteners and curling irons left on. That's that a, is not surprising. It just lot. seems to be one of those things that people forget about. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I mean, I can see it. You're, it's first thing in the morning. You've probably only had a little bit of your coffee. It's part of your morning routine. You're not fully online yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, you just... You're done. Maybe your kid's yelling for breakfast. You walk out of the bathroom. It's left on. Mm-hmm. They should have auto shut off on these devices. This is the 21st century, people. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> We're supposed to have flying cars and we don't even have auto shut offs on hair dryers. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> have some kind of motion sensor in there. If it, if it detects that it hasn't been touched or moved in a certain amount of time, power that puppy off. Period. If yeah. only people would listen to us. Yeah, this is, yeah, hey, boy. We could fix so many things, Brian. Just just we you could. and I. And even Jason could help. Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we got. All right, huh? good speaking to you. That's yeah. what we got this week. All right, I will talk to you next week. Take care. Ups and doodads. This might actually be a bit shocking to you, Jason, but I actively searched out, found, installed, and use a new app on my phone. Uh, who are you and what have you done with Brian? I know. It's been a long time since I've bothered with a new app. Uh, but uh, I've been uh, trying to get in shape recently. This is kind of my new thing is uh, I, for many reasons. Obviously, I, I have a son. I'd like to be around as long as I can be for him. He's also going to be starting athletics soon. So I'd like to be out there and helping him out. And actually, the most important thing is I want to make sure I could be still beat the shit out of him up until, you know, 15 or as long as humanly possible. <laughs> as long as possible. As long yeah. as humanly possible. Uh, so I've been kind of upping my workouts recently and I've plateaued as as one often does. And I was talking yes. to a, a friend of mine who happens to be a personal trainer and she, I kind of listed everything I was doing. And she said, well, you need to add some intervals. That'll that'll knock out your plateau and get you through it. Um, if you don't know what high intensity interval training is, it means you burn really, really, really hard for a little bit. And then you take it at a more moderate pace. Then you go back and you just get your heart rate going up and down and up and down and up and down, which is great. Um, so I needed an app to give me timers like that. And I found, <laughs> it says it on the tin, okay, okay. interval timer, high intensity training workouts. And it does exactly what you need it to do. It's fantastic. It's super customizable. You can set your different intervals. You can set colors that the screen will go depending on the interval that you're on. You can set the amount of repetitions you do for each interval. You can set different sounds for the different events, like when you're switching into the high intensity or the low intensity, which is fantastic for me because I like to do it while biking. And uh, I can't see the screen or anything, but I'll be listening to my podcast or my music or whatever, and I'll get the dings. And I know, all right, pedal really, really, really hard for 30 seconds. Ding. All right. Normal pedaling for a minute. Ding. And it's great. It does exactly what I want it to do. Okay. Okay. Or you could just pedal really, really fast and count to 30 and then pedal really, really fast, count to, or really slow and count to 60 and pedal really, really fast and count to 30. This from the guy who carries 17 different things in his pocket that his phone does all of them on. I, I look, man, you you just you actually just proved my point because I don't need my phone to count to 30. But hey, what are you going to do? OK, hey, if you man, like there's it, a lot go going on, a lot going on when I'm on a bike ride. I'm, I'm locked. I got to look out for scooters. I can't be counting. 
Yes, and beach bunnies and things like well, that. that too. And... I do like the <laughs> USC volleyball team practicing. That's very nice. There <laughs> you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Let's just Point say I do it. my low intensity when I'm driving past that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. Something's yeah. high, but not your intensity. <laughs> Now, we got uh, some samples from our good friends over at Marpac. They sent us the Marpac Dome and the Marpac Go. Um, I've been using both of them. They're great. I have not used the Go yet. I'm I'm driving to San Diego in the morning and staying overnight, so I'm going to take the Go with me. I did test it out and play with it. It's really nice for you know a portable sleep machine i wish we had that when we were at fireside last year (laughs) it would have been useful at fireside yes uh the dome is kind of the natural uh fan sound and i we actually replaced that in our bedroom we're using that my wife and i now for when we go to sleep at night because she likes the white noise and it's really nice uh the one complaint i have about it um is that uh, you are supposed to be able to connect it to your amazon alexa but the skill does not work Okay. It does not seem to be supported. So that's a that's a minor quibble, but it would be nice to just be able to wake up and turn it off by voice. Hopefully they'll fix that at some point. The Go is a smaller unit with some pretty clever designs. So you can hang it up on things or just put it on the bedside table. That does not have the natural noise, uh, fan noise sound that the Dome has because obviously it's much smaller, but it has a couple different great sounds. My kid actually loves playing with it. Lucas just runs around the house with his sound machine. That's what he calls it. <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah. So I like them both. They're good. Yeah, no, they're 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 amazing. And thanks so much, guys, over at Marpok for sending those to us, because mm-hmm. I've had the original dome, like the OG for 10 years, or <laughs> I think it's been at least 10 years. And I use it all the time. And when I got the new one, I just downloaded the app and I set up a schedule. So at nine at night, it turns on and at 5 a.m. it turns off. Right. And so it just does it every day, no matter what, because either I'm in I, I'm always going to be in bed. <laughs> at 9 a.m. <laughs> or 9 p.m. I'm always in bed by then. Yeah. And 5 a.m. It still keeps the dogs quiet because I get up at 4.30 and take a shower. So, it you know, it helps with the dogs. Yeah. So it like the 9 to 5 schedule just works. And I'm fine with that. I don't have any Alexas in my house anymore. So it, it's all good. The app was pretty easy to get set up. And it, you know, it works just like the old dome, except I don't have to go press a button anymore. And I gave my old dome to my roommate who has like box fans in her room and all this other (laughs) stuff. And she's always complaining because her nose is stuffy in the morning. Like, yeah, because you got a freaking box fan to make some noise. Take my old one and try it out. She tried it for the first night and she says, this is the greatest thing ever. So she's, she's stolen my old dome and uses it (laughs) all the time now. So if you want white noise generators, there is no better version than the the Marpok Dome, and I can't wait to try the Go for uh, actual travel because I am staying in what used to be a fairly skeezy hotel in <laughs> in San Diego, but seems to have been upgraded because I think the first time I stayed there, it was about $40 a night, and this time it's $240 a night, so they better have <laughs> at least cleaned the sheets. One would hope. One would hope. And speaking of OG devices, my mom had a Kindle. I th- God, it must be second generation. She's had that thing forever, forever. And it finally died on her. Uh, so I ordered the new Kindle Paperwhite for her. And I sent it mm-hmm. to my house because I'm the one that has to set things up. So I haven't given it to her yet, but I've got it up and running and ready to go. <laughs> Let me guess, you might not give it to her. You might order a new one. <laughs> I like it. I, <laughs> I am surprised at how small it is. I was expecting something a little bit bigger. I would like it to actually be a little bit bigger. It's mm-hmm. it's even smaller than my iPad mini was. Um, but it should, you know, you can increase the text size. It's got the backlighting and all that sort of stuff. So it's easy to read on. A little bit smaller. I will see if my mom likes it. I think she'd probably enjoy it a little bit bigger as well, but it is what it is. It's light. It is, uh, it's, it's a nice little device. I'm pretty impressed. Now, what I didn't know about Kindles is that you could order them with special offers 
or without special or without (laughs) what a load of crap is that well here's the (laughs) special offers mean you pay 20 bucks less and it inundates you with ads no it's (laughs) just on the lock screen though yeah that's it it's just on the lock screen i i went for the cheap version i've got a kindle paperwhite and i love it i never use it because i don't really (laughs) read in bed anymore but i have one and i think they're fantastic and i got one of their leather cases which makes it one of the most comfortable reading devices to hold that i've ever had send me the link for the leather case because i didn't get a case yet for my mom oh my god i got a i got a bright orange leather case so i could find it It, not orange but uh send me the send me the link it's it's very it's trust me it it, it is a classy orange and uh i love that thing and when i do read what like if i get a book that has words instead of audio uh i use my kindle paperwhite because <laughs> see I when, just, when it's audio we don't call them books no we call them audiobooks. yes so uh but here's the fun part with your kindle paperwhite you can listen to your books from audible through the kindle paperwhite and if you have the the audio version and the kindle version they sync that is which nice. is really cool so i can be reading something like actually reading on the kindle and then switch over to the audible version and put it on the nightstand and let it just play for like half an hour. Right. While I'm falling asleep and set a timer and it turns itself off. And then when I open the book back up, I'm back to where I left off. It's really fancy. So Amazon did something right with that for sure. But yeah, that Kindle Paperwhite is awesome. I love those things. I don't I I can't see spending all the money for the one that you can take in the bathtub. <laughs> but uh, for just a regular one, I love those paper whites. Well, I spent the money for the one you can take into the bathtub because my mom likes to read in the bathtub. So, oh well, there you go. Mm-hmm. That, save you on Ziploc bags, I guess. There you go. <laughs> over time. Or you know, my mom electrocuting herself. So you know, pluses. You're not going to electrocute yourself from a Kindle. Come on, <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So I've I finally got my Logitech Slim Folio Pro 12.9 inch iPad Pro case. This yes. is the one that I accidentally sent to my old address. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Which it turned out they actually got it, it got sent back. So I got right. the money for it. So I went ahead and bought it again because my <laughs> the one Logitech keyboard I had, the removable one mm-hmm. that was just a cool little Bluetooth keyboard. I never used it. It was just the form factor was it's great. It's a great little keyboard and you can use it with your phone and your iPad and all that stuff. But I never used it because right. you have two pieces. So I got this new Slim Folio Pro. Put my iPad in it, got it set up. And the problem with the new iPad Pros is they don't have that smart connector like the old iPad Pros did mm-hmm. where you can actually plug it into a device and the device will be powered right. by the iPad. Which is the which is the predecessor to this one, which I had for my nine point seven inch iPad Pro, right. the Logitech keyboard, which is the best keyboard I've ever had for an iPad. This one has, of course, a ginormous fucking battery in it that lasts three months on a charge. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, the iPad, which weighs nothing, with this case, weighs more than my fifteen inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> It is so goddamn heavy that I'm just like, are you are you kidding me? It's a piece of rubber with a keyboard. Why is this so ridiculously heavy? Now, that said, fantastic keyboard backlit. Great key, great, like great travel on the keys. Feels really good. Doesn't have that bullshit butterfly switch that Apple does. It's <laughs> a really nice keyboard to type on. And it's got a super powerful magnet. So when you actually lock it into place. You can you can put it on your lap and type with it. That's right. the biggest problem I have with most iPad keyboards is once you put it on your lap, everything just goes blue, blue, blue. This one, not so much at all. I can put this one on my lap, type on it. It's got a 
you know, place for the pencil still. It's 129 bucks, and I have used that more than I've used my uh, MacBook Pro now because I, I usually work in the studio on my iMac, go in the house, pull up my iMac or pull up my uh, MacBook Pro and use that in the house. But with the new keyboard, I find myself almost never using the MacBook Pro. So this has actually gotten me closer to using the iPad as a laptop. So even though it's a little bit heavier than I'd like, the the build quality, the the power of the magnet and the quality of the keyboard makes me recommend this. This is a keeper for me. Excellent. Yeah, I really, really am impressed with this thing, even though it's just so goddamn heavy. But, you know, as they say in the 13th Warrior, grow stronger. <laughs> That's true. Use your high intensity training tracker. <laughs> God. Uh, next up, I have the Breville, the Barista Express Espresso Machine, BES870XL. Mm-hmm. Right. I bought this for my roommate for her birthday because she's an espresso addict or a cappuccino addict. And she spends like, you know, anywhere between six and twelve dollars a day at the coffee bean. And I'm like, why? She's like, eh, the morning espresso is fine at home, but it's just not that good. And I'm like, OK, well, let's fix that. So, yes, let's make sure that we never have to leave the house ever. You are hell bent on this, my friend. Oh, she leaves the house all the time. She's a real estate broker. She's <laughs> she's always showing houses and doing stuff. She's on the go more than I am. Obviously, she's never home. Uh, but this is going to at least save her money. And also, here's the upside. I get to use it. There you so, go. So <laughs> uh, the thing was ridiculously expensive. For, oh, yeah, it is. For what it is. And here's the deal. When you go to the Amazon page right now, it is four seventy nine ninety five. Mm hmm. That makes me very angry. Why? <laughs> because when I bought it, it was $565. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, the that algorithm. makes me really angry <laughs> because with tax, it was 620 bucks. Wow. But I tell you what, though, it, these guys at Breville make some of the best stuff. I've got the Breville Tea Maker, which, you know, has the magnetic basket that lowers and raises the tea for you and keeps everything warm. It is the best teapot on the on the planet. I love that thing so much. So I'm like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do Breville's and we have a matching set. Now I just need to get a Breville toaster, which I think she's going to get me for my birthday next month. (laughs) But this thing is so nice. Every little detail is so perfectly thought out. You can put the beans in. It does the grind perfectly. It's got just everything about it. If you've got, you know, if you have the means, I highly recommend you. I highly recommend you pick one up, channeling my Ferris Bueller there. Uh, it is really, really, really good, but stupid expensive for what it is. But the coffee that comes out of it is, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you if anything that I would get at Intelligentsia is better. It tastes that good. And I've run some Intelligentsia beans through it, and I swear to God, it tastes the same as actually going to the shop. So, Plus, no hipsters. No hipsters and no line. <laughs> and yeah, I can get a bag of, you know, was it Black Cat for $12 instead of three espressos for $12. Yeah. So in the long run, this is actually going to save a bunch of money. So I, as much as espresso as we drink, we, between the two of us, we go through six a day. Right. So if you go out and pay Explains for that, that's a lot. stupid. It's stupid money. Uh, I talked about Firewall by Burner before. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend this app anymore i told Uh you that i was going to try it out yep well the problem was i had a conference call that was coming up at uh 3 30 yesterday and at three o'clock i'm like oh shit what if she gets caught by burner 
because this is a CIA agent that I'm talking to. So she might have some crazy stuff going on with her number and it might get flagged and I might not get, not get to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Well, so I go to firewall and I'm like, I need to, you know, stop forwarding because the way firewall works is it forwards your number to their server. They answer the phone call and they, they send it back through VoIP through their app. Right. So I'm like, okay, disable call forwarding, get rid of the app. You just do all the, well, it says, nope. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Shit out of luck. <laughs> try typing. Try calling this number, which was like pound, pound, 21 pound to disable call forwarding. Sent that. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, maybe if I delete the app, it'll work. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. Go in the house, grab another phone, call my call my phone, go straight to the firewall voicemail immediately get on the phone with AT&T, spend a half an hour on the phone with AT&T, finally get to third tier support where some lovely woman in India, it's always the women in India who can get shit done, by the way. (laughs) She turned off forwarding at the network level, but it still has the forward icon on my phone and nobody can figure out how to make it go away. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to have to wait till my iPhone 11 comes out to get rid of that probably. But this this was such a problem that, uh, yeah, I can't recommend it because the, it's broken. I, I mean, my friend Greg made the thing, but it, last I checked, he was like in Bolivia watching soccer matches. So can't blame I, him for that. Yeah, well, I can blame him for making a shitty app and having no support for it. So <laughs> I cannot recommend Firewall by Burner. Sorry, Greg, but uh, your tech support sucks. There you go. And uh, real quick, I did uh, a test between Apple Reminders versus Things mm-hmm. for two weeks. Trying to figure out if if I really even needed things anymore. Turns out you do. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Apple Reminders is just not there yet. I hear it's really good in the next version of the Mac OS, which I won't be upgrading to for at least a year after it's out. So audio. Because audio. Exactly. So I'm gonna have to stick with things from now on because there's just too there's there's so much that Apple Reminders just doesn't do. It, it's just like it does shocking. enough for me i've got to say and and i like the sync between the watch and the the, uh, the phone and the ipad and the ios and regular operating system but Things i does I'm, all not that a, too. I'm not so. a power user so it's enough for me mm-hmm. i think one of my biggest complaints with reminders is i'd click on something and expected it to disappear and it wouldn't go away it would just leave the little um you know Green radio dot. box checked yeah and yeah that is annoying and then you have to hit, you know, hide completed, show completed to make it go away. I'm like, that is just stupid UX. Yeah, it should so, just delete it. Agreed. Yeah, it should get rid of it. So I it just I went back to things because I, I own things three on all my platforms and it works so much better. It's expensive, but it does the things that you need it to do better. And finally, in my last software update, Firefox. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really wanted to be able to use Firefox as my main browser now. I would it love is that too. So fast. It is so unbelievably fast. Except it doesn't do the things that you need a browser to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we use we use a service called Quip. Not the t- not the toothbrushes. Not the subscription no. toothbrushes. It's Quip. It's owned by Salesforce. That's where we do our show notes. It's a collaborative editing tool. So we're done with the show last week. I go in, I hit command A, select all, command C, copy, go over to BB edit, command paste. I get the top line. That's it. The first sentence. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay. Tried it for another two or three minutes. Nope. Could not make select it actually. All. 
I, I even right <laughs> I right clicked and hit copy and I just did everything that was humanly possible from every menu and it would not copy and paste text from a web browser. Second one was in the that WordPress kind of a editing basic screen. Use. It's really basic uh, in the WordPress <laughs> editing screen. Like in, in most browsers, if you double click on a line, it will select the entire line with the new line. Not in Firefox. It just selects the text on the line. You can cut it and it leaves the new line. And that is a problem when I'm doing show notes because it adds about five minutes to my show notes preparation. And I don't want to be doing show notes any longer than I already have to. <laughs> and then there was the final one. We wanted it to be able to use Zencaster for audio. Yes. Nope. Doesn't nope. work one bit. <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> uh, the, the three main things that I use my browser for on a day-to-day basis, I cannot do, which is, I mean, these are, these are basic things. These are honestly basic things. And if it can't handle that, then what am I going to do? Everything else worked flawlessly. But if you cannot copy paste <laughs> from a web page, how the, did this thing get out of beta that's all i want to know anyway so yep i am not using firefox sadly because it is the fastest browser on the market yeah. bar none by now i mean bar none it is unbelievably fast because it's, it's blocking all the tracking stuff now yep yeah anyway sorry about that brian i wish we could do it but we oh can't. well opera it is opera it is Continue on. Now, I am about to get into the Lego phase of child development, and I saw an article that caught my eye. Uh, Lego sets might be a better investment than stocks, bonds, or even gold. Bloomberg has recently reported that the brick building kits seem to serve as a reliable asset that can pay off over time. There was a 2018 study that looked at 2,322 kits dating back to 1987 and found that profit exists across a spectrum of Lego branded products. Uh, supply and demand typical of collector's markets. A new Lego set will sell for a nominal retail price, and as demand exceeds inventory and the sets are discontinued, the price on the aftermarket rises. For example, a 2007 Millennium Falcon kit carried a sale price of $499. What? Fox. Who the fuck is paying 500 bucks for a Lego kit? Well, if you knew that in 2016 it would be selling for nearly $4,000 in the aftermarket, you would. That is quite the return. So obviously that's a pretty extreme case, but they have found that in general, bigger sell- bigger sets like Harry Potter or Star Wars themes yield an average return of 11% annually, which is pretty good. Pretty good. So that's yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, but you got to pay for the storage space to well, hang out to that. Yes, you, your kid <laughs> you know? is not allowed to play with them because they have to be in perfect condition and you have exactly. to store everything, unlike stocks and bonds. But I just thought it was really interesting that uh, some of these things perform better than anything else on the market. Pretty crazy. Uh, that is pretty crazy. I just I, I'm, I'm glad that you're moving into the Lego phase because I'm going to hear you screaming in the background when you step on one. When you go take Are you a kidding me? I have, the, I have those Lego socks already uh, already in my cart on Amazon. Oh, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that stepping on a Lego is the worst thing <laughs> ever. And I found this one. This is real quick. A Japanese hotel has built a life size flight simulator into one of its rooms. I want I well I want to go to Japan a lot. I've always wanted to go to Japan. That's one of the one places that will get me out of the house. It's pretty awesome there. Go to Japan, yes. And uh the problem is when I go to Japan, I don't want to stay in my hotel room. <laughs> so <laughs> they have a full-size 737-800 cockpit in the room. And you can get the room for 233 bucks a night, but you can get a 90-minute lesson with a flight instructor for around $277. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder if they're selling those those flight instructions while somebody else has rented the room. It's like, oh, don't mind us. We're just going to go fly for a minute. <laughs> Excuse <okay>. me. <laughs> yeah. Housekeeping pilot. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty cool. I, I Check out the pictures on the site. It's over at The Verge. And uh, man, I... I flight simulator was the first game I ever stole. So I'm a huge flight simulator fan. And uh, this just looks like it would be so much fun. Nice. And I found something that I thought was more for you, Jason. I thought you might appreciate this and maybe, uh, you know, patreon.com slash GOG spend some cash that we might be getting. Marvel is auctioning props from its Netflix shows. This will start on August 12th through 13th. And unfortunately right now it's just daredevil, Luke Cage and iron fist. When just well, daredevil Jones is the comes on the market. <laughs> I want a glass. I want a bottle of whiskey from Jessica Jones. That's all I'm saying. So my yeah. birthday, you know, next year, everybody. There you go. Okay. So the whole catalog is available online. Link is in the show notes. There's some pretty cool stuff in there. Well, yeah, the first generation Daredevil costume is estimated to fetch between thirty thousand and fifty thousand dollars. Well, <laughs> since that's my income for a year, uh, I unless it comes with a van that I can live in. Hey, I I, I know where beach. you can rent one. <laughs> I was gonna say, unless it comes with that, I won't be getting it. But man, it would be cool to have that Daredevil suit. Closing shout outs. And sadly, award-winning actor Rip Torn has died, age 88. Uh, he's been in working since the 1950s, nominated for an Academy Award. He obviously played Artie, the producer on The Larry Sanders Show, my favorite role of his. Awesome. He was uh, Men in Black, which is what you probably know him from, Zeus in the Hercules movies, and Patches O'Houlihan in Dodgeball, a true underdog story, which I never saw. <laughs> You're not missing much. On... <laughs> I didn't. Actually, so. no, I take that back. Dodgeball was actually kind of a funny movie. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a go on one of those Jessica Jones whiskey nights. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a few bucks a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 360. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy!